Okay, before I get to my next guest, Shane LeBaron, I want to remind you about a few more of our sponsors, starting with our friends over at Finn Cycles. Are you like me, always considering new golf equipment, maybe a new driver? Well, let me reset your thinking because I discovered Square's golf shoes. The patented square toe provides balance, stability, and a wider base for increased connection to the ground, effectively increasing your swing speed by 2.2 miles per hour and an average of 9 yards of distance. Independent testing proves it. That's right. It's proven in science. Go to squares.com, that's S-Q-A-I-R-Z.com, and get Square's 30-day money-back guarantee. Use promo code DISTANCE for $20 off. Remember, distance comes from swing speed, and swing speed comes from your connection to the ground. And folks, I wouldn't tell you about it if I didn't experience it for myself. I've never felt more stable in my golf swing, which allows me to swing faster and launch it further. Squares, the distance golf shoe. And folks, this segment of the show is sponsored by our friends over at the PGA Tour Superstore. This segment of the show is brought to you by the PGA Tour Superstore. See why golfers everywhere are proud to call PGA Tour Superstore their golf pro shop. Visit them online at PGATourSuperstore.com. Now back to Chris and more of the show. Now back and next on the tee with me is one of the top instructors in the game and another great friend of the show, Shane LeBaron. Let me remind you about Shane's background. He's from Lincoln, Nebraska. He played his college golf at Oklahoma State and then Methodist College in Fayetteville, North Carolina. After college, he played out on the mini tours before deciding that teaching the game was where his heart is at. He became the assistant golf professional at Blue Hills Country Club in Kansas City in 1998 where he learned under PGA Hall of Fame instructor Stan Thursk. From there, he moved over to become the lead instructor at Shadow Glen Golf Club in Kansas. 2002, he moved over to Hilton Head, South Carolina, where he worked as an instructor at both Moss Creek Golf Club and Belfair Golf Club. He later opened his own golf school at Old South Golf Club in Bluffton, South Carolina. He became the college golf coach at the University of South Carolina Beaufort in 2008. In 2012, he became the Director of Instruction at the Plain Truth Performance Center at Wigwam Resort in Phoenix, Arizona. And like our friends Andy Trainer and Kevin Roman, Shane is a Level 3 Plain Truth Certified Instructor. He's been nominated a few times by Golf Magazine as one of their top 100 instructors. Golf Digest voted him the best teacher in the state of Arizona in 2013. He's on the Callaway Golf Master Staff, and Shane has now become the first Director of Instruction at Cherry Hills Golf Club in Cherry Valley, Colorado. And I'm very honored to have him back with me again tonight here on Next on the Tee. Hey, Shane, thanks for coming back on the show. Chris, thanks so much for having me. How are you? I'm fantastic, Shane. How are you, my friend? It's been a minute since I got to talk to you. Talk, Catch us up, especially now that you're out there at Cherry Hills. Yeah, life's changed a little bit. Um, it's pretty neat. Uh, just... Uh, very interesting how this all came about. Uh, I was pretty happy. I was at the two places. I think last we talked, I was in Knollwood Club in Lake Forest, Illinois, and then at Mirabelle Club in Scottsdale. Wonderful place. And Cherry Hills has gone through some changes, and they hired a new head pro, uh, Andrew Shuck, who's a really good guy. And Anyway, part of their deal was looking for an instructor. And I got a phone call from him. We had a great conversation. One thing led to another, and I now live in Denver. <laughs> and and for folks, and I'm sure everybody who loves the game knows about Cherry Hills. 
I mean, it's one of the most historic places in our game. Historians will remember, you know, Arnold Palmer for his great charge at the 1960 U.S. Open there at Cherry Hills when he drove the first green, you know, 346-yard par four. And we've seen Andy North win a U.S. Open there. Phil Mickelson won a U.S. Amateur there. Jack Nicklaus won a U.S. Senior Open there. I mean, talk about the rich history for that golf course that you get to be a part of now. It's it's impressive. It uh, we also have the USAM coming up in twenty three at Cherry Hills. I don't there know if you know that or not. Uh, yeah. But it's uh, so as a, as an instructor, uh, you're, you're always kind of looking for a place that you, know, you can go to, and, and maybe you can. It's the perfect job, and you can be there for a long time. And it's it's always great, you know, if you find a good job. But it's you're either following up somebody who's done a really bang up job, and you've got Huge shoes to fill, right? Um, or you're coming into a place where maybe things didn't go quite as well as they would have liked, and maybe the membership has a bad taste in their mouth about instruction, and then you're digging yourself out of a hole. Well, the beauty of Cherry Hills is it never happened. So I'm, I'm it. So it's, it's my <laughs> stamp. It's my footprint. And it's, it's really kind of an exciting thing because again, like I'm not digging myself out of a hole and I'm not following up some you know, uh, uh, some, somebody who's just done incredible. So it's, it's really neat. Uh, the membership's great. They're really just fantastic people. The golf course is just, Chris, it's unbelievable. It is so good. Uh, I'll, I'll be excited to see how the kids do. I say kids because the U.S. Amateur now is all of a sudden a big college golf tournament, but I'll be excited to see how they do. And uh, it'll be it'll be a great match play event. It'll be so much fun to watch them. So, Shane, I mean, I really want to get your thoughts as you talk about how wonderful the golf course is, and I and I'm sure it's it's all that and more. I mean, like I say, when I go back and I look at some of the historical films, obviously I took a look at Mr. Palmer's win in 1960 at the U.S. Open. I mean, he yeah. he beat Ben Hogan and Jack Nicklaus. Jack was still an amateur at that point, but you know, Mr. Hogan had an opportunity to win 17, I think, got him and, and, and 18 sort of finished the deal for, for him trying to win that U.S. Open. But uh, Jack was right in the mix there. And then obviously that great charge for Mr. Palmer. But talk about the golf course, what it looks like. And for folks that have never seen it and gone back to look, obviously, we'll get a, we'll probably get a good look here in a couple of years to your point at the USM. But talk about what that golf course looks like. Well, it's a it's a William Flynn design, and correct me if I'm wrong, but I think he also did Shinnecock. That's um, right. The the greens are impressive. They're they're small, uh, but there's a good amount of undulation on those greens, and there's a huge percentage on second shot. So the the fairways are, um, you know, I wouldn't call them easy to hit by any stretch, but they're definitely gettable off the tee. But the second shot, because the greens are so small, if you don't have enough height and enough spin on the ball, you, you can struggle on that golf course. Um, it's, it's at altitude, so that does play a little different, right? But, uh, I think Cherry Hills is about 5,400 feet, 5,500 feet in elevation. So it's up there a good bit. So the ball does travel and that plays a role. But it's interesting because a lot of the longer, tougher holes happen to play uphill, which is sort of an altitude equalizer. Right. And our ninth hole, for example, I think from the back keys, it's, it's got to be four, 
70 and change, but it is straight uphill. It's not quite as uphill as, say, 18 at Augusta National, but it is up. And so when you're coming up nine, you have to just absolutely bust a drive, and then you've got this little uphill hanger lie, you know, trying to hit an iron shot to get it onto the green, and that's not the easiest shot in the world. Um, but it's it's a it's a really neat golf course. I feel like it kind of, you know, some of these places, they really just stand the test of time. And uh, the conditioning is fantastic. There's there's a little bit of elevation change kind of mildly throughout the course. And then you've got a ravine that runs through the golf course. It also comes into play on quite a few shots if you get a little wayward. So it's it's just, it's fantastic. Big, huge, old trees, uh, thick, lush, rough, greens that just whistle. And uh, so I hope if you get a chance, you need to come out and play. Yeah. You don't have to twist my arm hard to come play Cherry Hills. I promise you that. Did, uh, did, by, by the way, so when you were talking about Mr. Palmer and his charge, so do you know what happened on 17 with Hogan? Yeah, didn't didn't he uh, spin his ball back into the water? So he hit the pin on 17 with a wedge shot. 17 is an island. It's a par five with an island green. And he hit the pin on his third shot with a a little wedge shot. And it came off the pin and went in the water and he tried to play out of it. And he played with Jack Nicholas. And afterwards, they interviewed Mr. Hogan. And he said, well, if this kid learned how to putt, he might win something. <laughs> <laughs> I think he figured Prophetic. it out. It's pretty neat to be part of at least the history going forward of this. It's just a spectacular facility. It really is. Shane, uh, we haven't talked in the past about um, who your golf idols were. I know, I know you're a fan of Mr. Hogan's. But who are the guys out on tour that uh, that you really admired? So I was a huge Nick Price fan. And uh, I've always been a fan of guys that can strike an iron. And, and Nick Price could just flat hit iron shots. And I think we all remember him playing those little Ram FX blades. And, I mean, just firing at pins. He was just incredible with an iron. So I've, I've always been enamored at players that hit unbelievable iron shots. I get a kick out of that. Um, it's funny when I was at Moss Creek years ago, uh, we had a gal that worked, uh, in the administrative part of the, of the club. Her name is Jill. And one day we came up there and I was getting something out of the administrative office and, and golf came up and she said, well, who do you like? And I said, well, I'm a huge Nick Price fan. She said, no kidding. And I guess they're family friends. And she didn't oh, tell wow. me this. I said, yeah. I said, well, Nick Price and I both have the same birthday. I loved watching him play. I had a fat lady swings putter, if you remember those. Um, it was a Bobby Grace fat lady swings is what it was called, the putter. And uh, <laughs> Nick Price used, and I got one of those because he was using it. And anyway, I said, well, we have the same birthday, January 20th. I said, we have the same birthday. She said, no kidding, January 28th. And that's not that bright, so I didn't put two and two together. Well... <laughs> My birthday rolls around, and this package shows up at the club. And it was a, p- a picture of Mr. Price holding the claret jug, signed, you know, to Shane, happy birthday, what a great day to have a birthday on, best wishes, Nick Price. 
And that was like the coolest wow. thing I've ever seen. So no a huge Nick Price fan. Unbelievable solid ball striker. And you know, it's, I've never gotten a chance to actually meet him in person. Um, Is that right? But, but thoroughly. And never, never in my life. Um, but, but thoroughly just thought he was just the best. And it's um, also a huge Freddie Couples fan. That's interesting. Freddie Couples and, and Nick Price, when I think about both of their swings, it seems very sort of 180 degrees different from each other. When I think about Nick Price, I mean, he took the club back. He had a lot of speed in the back swing and the, and the, and the through swing. And Freddie was very, or still is very deliberate on the backswing and gets a lot of, a lot of his speed, you know, as he's coming through on the downswing and then obviously finishing through. But I, from a speed yep. and tempo perspective, they seem very different to me. Oh, miles apart, miles apart. That's kind of the beauty of this game, right? It's not a, it's not a one size fits all. There's no, there's no cookie cutter. You know, there's no way to say, right. well, gosh, you know, we should all swing, uh, with the tempo and rhythm that Ernie Ellis has, or, we should all try to swing like Nick Price. I mean, they're both pretty incredible, right? Yeah. So, you know, but I always thought Freddie was cool. He was just good looking guy, dressed sharp. And, you know, it was like all the guys kind of wanted to be him. And I think all the girls liked him. Like who, who wouldn't want to be Freddie Couples? He just seemed like he had it all figured <laughs> Agreed. out. You know? <laughs> <laughs> yes, it did. Shane, before I let you go, I got to get a playing lesson from you. And, um, you did a video about putting where you talk about how amateur golfers like me, we can step up to a five foot putt, you know, to save part or, or for a bogey and we can make that putt. It seems like all the time, but if that five footer is for birdie, we typically miss. And you say it's because we're not yeah. used to making birdies. We're more used to trying to save par. Talk about why it's different. Well, it's, it's, you know, time and place, right? And, and people find their comfort zone. They get used to whatever. Whatever X is, you know, if you're 10 handicap, you tend to shoot roughly 10 over par, and that's that's kind of your comfort zone. And it's no different than the 10 handicap that all of a sudden walks up to 17T and realizes he's three over on the day. You know, it's it's a big it's a big deal, and so right. it happens in a little smaller form as it relates to putting. But uh, and this is this is a little off the the question you just asked, but I think your listeners will get a kick out of this. So, do you remember when David Duvall shot his 59? Yes. I just watched that cool. video. Yeah. Isn't that cool? And um, I don't know if you remember, but the guys in his group kind of were struggling a little bit and had to get some rulings and that sort of thing. And He fired that thing up there at about six feet. And he and his caddy got up there and quickly marked the ball and walked off the green with their back to the hole and he didn't look back and one day i asked him i said what what were you guys doing like you walked out you walked off the green backs to the hole and he says well he says i knew what that putt was for obviously he says and i knew that my first look was my best look and i wanted it to be my only look he goes, so what I did is I waited wow. till my turn, got over there, looked at it once, and hit the thing as quick as I could hit it. <laughs> and I think as amateurs go, to kind of elaborate on the question that you just asked, I mean, you you can think of this in terms of yourself as a golfer. How many times do you get over a putt and go, 
Oh, it looks like this. Got it. You set up over it and go, nope, now it goes this way. Yes. Yes. Most, pe- most people are doing that. I don't know. Let's just go with at least 50% of the time. They get over <laughs> it and they change versus trusting their first look and just letting it go, right? Right. So I sort of thought, I sort of thought what David said was very genius. Um, he knew his first look was his best look. He was going to trust it and go with it. And, and didn't mess around. I mean, obviously he read it like he normally would, right? But he didn't get over that thing and let that secondary element kick in. Well, the secondary element for the golfer that doesn't make a lot of birdies is, oh, dear God, I have a chance for a birdie. <laughs> well, if you get up over it, take right. a look, get your first look, call it good, pull the trigger, chances are you get a much better ch- chance of, of getting that thing to drop in the bottom of the cup than you would if you got over it and all of a sudden, you know, tried to, try to do some new New mathematics to figure this whole thing out. <laughs> that's a hundred percent right. And I, I tell you yeah, what, that's, that's probably the best playing lesson. And in, in, in the eight years I've done this show, that might be the best playing lesson I've heard. I need to adopt well, that well, well, going I, forward. Good call out of you. That's it. Shane, before I, I let you go, remind that. our listeners how they can stay up to date with you. Uh, you can follow me on Instagram at Baron Golf. Or check me out at the, our website, shanelabarongolf.com. Shane, you are a treat, my friend. I can't thank you enough for taking time out of your night to come back and be a part of the show. I always have a great time when you're here. I hope you'll come back and do it again soon. I'd love to, Chris. I really appreciate you spending some time with me. It's a pleasure to visit with you. And thank you for all you do for golf and uh, us instructors. We We all genuinely very much appreciate it. Well, I appreciate you guys. Take care, Shane. Stay safe, my friend. All the best to you and your family. I look forward to catching up soon. Thank you, Chris. You take care. See you, Shane. That's the great Shane LeBaron. And, folks, that is the best playing lesson I have received on this show in eight years. I am not going to be the guy that stops, you know, because Shane's 100% right. You get behind the ball, you, you look, and you, and you and you make your read. And the next thing you know, you're standing up over the ball and you go, wait a minute, that's, it's not going that way. That's why I asked earlier in the show about trying to make sure how, how do you, you know, find the break? How do you read the break? How do you read the green? And that's the thing that I do to myself more, more times than not. I've got to read. I stand up over the ball. Now I'm looking at the hole as I'm standing, you know, stride the ball, right? And then I say, no, 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 that, it doesn't break that way at all. It breaks the other way. So then I hit it the other way, and then I wonder, I thought it broke that way. No. That is a great lesson right there. Trust your first read from now on.